1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're ready for a new week to talk some USC Trojan football. We are counting down to the start of spring football on March 10th. So we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde, about stuff going on uh, with this team. We had Mike Bone, the USC Athletic Director, an exclusive interview with him on the podcast that last week. So we'll talk about some of the things he said during that interview, we'll talk about the NFL Combine, and of course doing a little preview preview of USC spring football. Like we mentioned, we'll be starting up in a couple of weeks. If you have any questions or comments for the show podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd like to call or text us, you can do that too. 424-254-9141 is the number. Send us a text, leave us a voicemail. we got a bunch of voicemails following that Mike bone interview. Some of them weren't suitable to play. Some of them were too long, but we'll, uh, Keep you know, keep calling in, send us a text, whatever you want to do. We'd love to hear from all of you out there and get to talk about what you want to talk about as far as USC Trojan football goes. The offseason rolls along, and we're rolling along with it with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. Hello, coach, how are you?
0: Ryan, I'm doing great, buddy. Beautiful weather here in Southern California. I don't know where you might be listening from today. But we've got great weather here. We had a little bit of uh, just drizzles, not really rain during the weekend, but it's always football time here on com. That's why we're here.
1: That's why we're here. We always want to talk about the Trojans, and it's great when the weather's nice outside. So uh, it was good. Yeah, we got a little sprinkles. Coach, I was out there playing some volleyball this weekend. That was nice and ready to go. I think by the time spring football rolls around, it should be beautiful here in Southern California as always. Um, so – we so we've different some different topics I want to talk about, coach. Uh first one, we did have USC athletic director uh Mike Bone on uh last week on Wednesday. Uh, Keely, you and I were in studio and we got to break the news that USC and UC Davis um they were canceling that game. And since then, you know, so that was broke and then they've rescheduled that game with San Jose State. So I think I wanted to start with that. Um Coach, I mean, I was one of those you know, traditionalists. I, I'd rather not see USC play in FCS school unless you absolutely had to. My thought was you didn't absolutely have to because that's just the way it was. I mean, you didn't need to do it. It was kind of a self-inflicted wound by USC. Uh, but I think that's something I got to give Mike Bone uh, credit because that's something that they heard from the fans. They listened to the fans. A game opened up where there was going to be an opportunity to get San Jose State. And it was going to be a lot harder to reschedule that game than it would have been to avoid it. But that's the kind of that's the hand they were dealt, and they dealt with it. So I, I don't know what you think about it, Coach, but what were your thoughts on it?
0: Well, I think Mike Bone uh, was very fortunate. I know Steve Lopes pretty well, and we had discussed that uh, as far as signing UC Davis to a, a non-conference game. And at the time, there just wasn't any alternative. There wasn't any games that fit that date. And he worked at it hard. And, of course, you don't want two buys during the season. So he did uh, sign into to that game, took a lot of harassment over it and so on. Uh, But fortunately for Mike Bone, uh, Georgia wanted to get out of a contract with San Jose State. So both teams or both universities came out really well. San Jose State picked up $1.8 million, not uh, counting the transportation fees they saved and everything. Now they don't have to play a team like Georgia. They don't get their players beat up, and maybe they can schedule someone like UC Davis and so on, and both of them would have a great game. Now, UC Davis picks up $725,000 without having to pay USC in the same type of situation, not getting beat up. So I I think it worked out uh, real well for both. I don't know exactly what the financial situation was as far as their guarantee with USC or if it was part of the money that was involved in the Georgia transaction, but it did work out for Mike bone and uh, that's good for the Trojans. And as their, you know, record is indicated there's only three teams in the country that have not played lower division schools.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Coach. I mean, to me, they waited a long time to schedule that game. And I know the philosophy changed. And once the philosophy changed where you wanted seven home games and you could argue that's a good philosophy or not, That meant you could never schedule another home and home. To me, they waited so long to schedule that opener for 2021, and I I still feel there were some options out there, Coach. Like that's, you know, this one was a cancellation, but there were other schools like UConn, and uh, I think, and I think UNLV potentially had a game. There were some different schools out there. To me, Coach, it seemed I don't want to say lazy, but it it seemed like they didn't put any value in not playing an FCS school anymore. And that was going to be the easiest option. So that's the direction they went. Um, and, I, you know, to me, you weren't listening to the constituents because fans did not want it. You needed to avoid that at all costs. I just don't get the feeling, Coach, that that's what they did at the time, that they have tried to avoid scheduling this at all costs.
0: Well, I don't know. I can't uh, comment on that because I really don't know if UNLV was available or other schools were available or if they wanted to play USC. So – uh you know, they might be available, but do they want to play USC? You know, uh, it's a money uh, uh, bag or a body bag type of game, except the last time UNLV did play USC, they played them to an exciting football game. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, will it bring people into the stands? Will it uh, really fulfill the what the USC's uh, uh, Trojan fans want to come and watch? And I think one thing about the UC Davis game is nobody wanted to come and watch. I'm not quite sure if everybody wants to come and watch New Mexico. Uh, the biggest headline on that game was Rocky Long, the defensive coordinator now. They had football, former head football coach at San Diego State. So occasionally you're going to get this type of game in your schedule. They do it always in the Southeastern Conference and the ACC, not just one time but two times a year. I think the people in Southern California are somewhat spoiled. They have a lot of different uh, choices in Alabama, there isn't an NFL team. In some of these other teams, schools, there isn't an NFL team. So people don't have really a choice. It's a party. It's an event. Uh, they'll go if they scrimmage each other, and they certainly prove that in their spring game when they have sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 people in Nebraska and Alabama and these different universities. So it's a different situation out here. So I don't know the real, you know, subject as far as who could have played, who wanted to play, and who didn't want to play. But at the time I talked to Steve Lopes, nobody wanted to play them.
1: All right, Coach. Well, we had a voicemail from our buddy Curtis, who's, you know, the eternal optimist. He seemed really happy with the interview. Let me play this for you.
0: Hey, Ryan. This is Curtis from Moreno Valley. Great interview with Mike Ball. I like what he said about his recruiting answer months ago. He wanted to be a positive force. Like me, Curtis from Moreno Valley.
1: Curtis, he loved that. So, if you don't know uh, what Mike Bone, leading up to uh, signing day, he did a, I think it was an interview with the Annenberg School. Uh, they did a live video thing, and uh, you know he sat down with the, the student reporter, and he said, "The I, I I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but the rec- USC's recruited class is going a lot better than anyone's giving them credit for." He alluded to four silent commits uh, that were out there. Um, and obviously that didn't come to be. This was the worst recruiting class ever. And, I, you know, asking me about that, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I wanted to give him an opportunity to, you know, clarify what he was talking about with his comments. And, you know, and, and the other part was it seemed like to blame the fans a little bit. Where, like, you know, hey, the fans are being negative. That's why recruiting is going so poorly. That didn't go over well, Coach, as you know. And I, I think what he said, his answer was really good as far as, hey, this was before these players are signed. I want to go out there and be a positive force, and I want to make sure that I'm not going to say anything disparaging about the class because I don't want to hurt Clay Helton in the recruiting effort. So to, in his mind, he was just trying to be positive. I think you, you're better off not making comments about you know, specifics with the recruiting class because it can only get you in trouble like they did here. But I, I did like his answer from what he said there.
0: Well, I agree with you, right? I think that you can be optimistic about, we hope we're going to have a good class, and the coaches say things are going well, but to make a prediction as an athletic director, I don't think that's what you should do, not get that involved as far as we have silent commits. If you do, just keep it to yourself, because Clay Helton told you, but I don't think it's for you to announce those type of things, and I think he answered some of the questions. You asked him some uh, really pointed questions, and I think that... uh he answered him to his best of his ability. He didn't avoid it, but I think that he should have admitted it that, uh, that uh, no, I shouldn't have done that.
1: Uh, one of the other topics, there was a lot of interesting nuggets out of there. Uh, spring football will be open to the media. It will be open to fans. So you can come out there and check out practices, which I think is a good step in the right direction. It seems one of those other things that Mike Bone seems to get, Coach, that you know, being in Los Angeles, you have, you have to compete for Uh, so many eyeballs, you know, there's only so many eyeballs out there and there's a lot of things that you can view and a lot of professional sports that are available and, you know, great professional sports, Clippers, Lakers, all that stuff going on. I think he gets that. So I'm curious to see what they do in the fall. But for the spring, that's going to be open. So I think that's a good move.
0: I think it's a smart move by him. He wants to get people back. He wants, he doesn't want to alienate him and keep him away. He wants to get people back into the program who were somewhat upset. I think it's a great idea to open practices. Uh, what are you going to do in the spring? What are you going to steal in the spring? Nothing. Yeah, It's a place where you have physical contact and players have an opportunity to make the team and fans get excited. We get excited as far as going to practice. Now, the next thing I want you to work on, Ryan, with Mike Bowen, but you see him. I haven't even met him, but you see him a lot. But if I do meet him, I will mention it. You know, I, I do talk my... Uh, says, uh tell them what exactly how I feel is. You sure. got to do away with this media area. I mean, this thing of keeping us uh, somewhat embarrassing, standing this little lack of respect to the media. I think that's the best way to saying it. I think we should have the opportunity to walk around. We can talk to parents at any time if we want to. Anyway, we're not going anyway interfere with their thoughts. We know what the rules are and so on. And maybe have drills and an opportunity to walk around. We're not going to get in the way of practice. We know the practice schedules, but to be able to watch drills, be on top of the drills, not have scrimmages with uh, people standing in front of us. Uh, You know, that's sort of a not real popular thing, and it gives us ammunition to talk about it on the air or among ourselves. And when they have their clinic, uh, whatever weekend that is, not to have a scrimmage or drills on the other field where we can't see, and allow the coaches to all stand in front of you. These are the little things you got to do. you got to have a seating area where people can sit down or or, or write their column or do certain things on the field or take notes. I mean, this is big-time football. This isn't, you know, a um, Mickey Mouse program. I mean, this is something where also a lot of programs, I know I always did at UNLV, and, of course, it was warmer there, I always supplied Gatorade or supplied water for all the media too. Uh, I wanted them on our side, and I think there's a lot of areas uh, in that area that can be cleaned up, yeah, especially no, I, the food in uh, the press box.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you, Coach. We'll we'll work on that. I'll do my I'll do my best uh, to see what I could do there. Um, we got a couple of voicemails from Frank and Irvine. One, he was like flushing a toilet in the background. There was one that was really long. We can't really play them. Uh, But Frank's general take was he wasn't very happy about the interview. Uh, Curtis liked it. Frank didn't. Um, He wanted to know. And one of the things that Mike Bone talked about is getting the proper resources for Clay Helton. They've doubled the recruiting assistant staff and making sure, you know, they've they've made the recruiting, the uh, assistant coaching staff a lot better. The support staff is better. So basically, saying like, "Hey, we the, all the resources are there now." Frank and some other people took it as this was an excuse for Clay Helton. Why weren't you winning? Oh, you didn't have the proper resources, and now you finally do. He wasn't very happy about that. He said that Clay Helton is the one that hired part-time c- coaches that only recruited part-time. It just takes effort, and Helton wasn't showing that. Hiring a 25-year-old kid to create more social media stuff wasn't going to change you know things tremendously but you having coaches that weren't recruiting full-time, that really had an impact. So he wasn't happy with, with Mike Bones' comments. So kind of get your thoughts on that, Coach, as far as like the, the resource, quote-unquote, excuse for Clay.
0: No, I agree with that. I mean, uh, when you can justify a coordinator or coaches not being great recruiters, you hear me talk about it. You're a great coach when you have great players. You've got to be a combination of both. You've got to go in the home. You've got to meet the parents. You've got to be able to be hands-on in every area of the football program. And, uh, I think that I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I would think always USC would have ample money as much as anybody in the PAC 12. But as you look at the recruiting budgets throughout the country, the PAC 12 did not even play in the big leagues. Oregon's the only one that I mean is maybe in the top 15 in, in recruiting budgets in the country, the PAC 12 is really behind as far as the amount of money they, they use in recruiting. So, obviously in a lot of things salaries and everything else so uh, they hire coaches away and they bring in assistant coaches and they can't get the great coaches Colorado really struggled to get some great coaches uh, to apply for their position because of the amount of money so you know the Pac-12 has got to get with it and if they're going to play on the national level and the big big dance or the big party they've got to do these type of things so uh, to mention that we didn't have the financial support, then that's somebody's problem in the administration. Was that that not a good excuse? I think his funds are probably unlimited in the football budget, at least I would hope they are, to compete with everybody else. And uh, I agree with uh, Frank, too, as far as the staff of, uh, of the recruiting uh, side of it. Do you have... Do you have qualified people judging and and recruiting players? And do you have uh, former players involved in that area? When recruits come on campus, they can mingle with them and find out exactly the tradition of USC football. Right now, if a young person comes on campus, they've heard of John McKay, but they could care less. They've heard of John Robinson, but they could care less. They've heard of Pete Carroll, but they were young kids then. So they should be around Heisman Trophy winners and they should be around people that have played at USC and that can tell the great stories of what you're about ready to be a part of, and also have a couple of GAs that are coaching from that part of the tradition of USC Trojan football. I agree. They need to upgrade all of that.
1: Yeah. I'm with you coach. Uh, we had a couple more questions kind of about topics that came up in that interview. Uh, Earl of West LA, West LA, another fan. He said, what a breath of fresh air. USC, may not be tone deaf any longer. As positive as the interview was, I have been burned too, too long to jump on the bandwagon yet, but at least I feel better about my decision to re- renew my season tickets. My problem is still Clay Helton. Under normal circumstances, the assistant coaches must buy into the head coach's philosophy. At USC, Helton must buy into ta- uh, to, uh, Graham Harrell and Todd Orlando's philosophy. How is that supposed to work? Fight on and bring back uh, Reggie Earl in West L.A.?
0: Well, I agree with him. I think the head coach is the uh, guy that uh, flies the ship or flies the airplane or the person that everybody looks to for leadership, and uh, uh, they work for him. And uh, he needs to be the person that uh, decides uh, what we're doing in the spring, what our philosophy is going to be on offense and defense, how we work together to get better. Uh, The defense is going to need a lot of help from the offensive side of the football this spring as far as getting ready for the type of teams they play because they just don't compete against the Iowa's, the Ohio State's, teams at Alabama's, the physical type of football teams. And are they willing to help them? How are they going to help the defense? Uh, Todd Orlando can be as aggressive and talk about all that stuff, but unless he sees it and practices against it, how is he going to get any better? The spring is when you become a better football team, not in the fall. So are they going to adjust their offensive side of the football to do more physical type of things, not talk about it, but actually do it at it. So running backs want to come to USC. So tackles and offensive linemen want to come to USC as far as five star, because they're going to get uh, uh, the type of coaching that uh, takes them to the next level. When you only pass block all the time, you know, people don't really look at you as far as going to the next level. They want to see on the physical side of the football, but you can't win great championships without running the football. So I think this is something that Clay Helton has got to be in charge of. of yes, it's great. It's, it's 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 Harold's uh, offense, the air-raid offense, but does that make us a better football team? Are we better overall? Is uh, Sean Snyder going to get the time uh, to do what he needs to do as far as picking the personnel for his special teams uh, that he wants, as far as making sure that that is good. Again, Clay Helton is in charge of that, saying, yes, you are. You're going to have these type of players on your special team so we can be good at our special team. So Coach Helton is the head of the program, and he's got to understand what his role is, and these assistant coaches got to understand who they are, too. When I tell you some, I expect that to happen. So make the adjustments, bring them in to me, and tell me exactly how you two plan on putting practice schedules together, and I'll approve it or not approve it. And, Graham, you go into your offense with your offensive staff, and you tell me how you're going to put together the things we need to do on the goal line, shore yardage, and all these other areas, and also what we need to do to help our defense get better. And we can't get better unless you're willing to work with them. And we need that as far as a part of our offense anyway. Yeah. So that's my philosophy.
1: One, uh, one more quick one from our buddy Curtis. He wrote in. So uh, he liked the interview. Wasn't really happy with some of my comments afterwards and some of my commentary. I'll read you what he said. He says, so he made a quote here. I think that he, Clay Helton, deserves validation for the coaches he has recruited. Since the Cliff Kingsbury hire, Clay has stayed, quote, out of the box to get some of the best coordinators' assistants in the nation. Don't get it quist- twisted. He recruited these coaches, just like Mike Bones said. None of them, quote, fell into his lap or he was forced to take on those coaches. He found them and offered the job and interviewed each one. This quote was referenced for today's CBS online article, quote, Clay Helton doesn't have time for your hate. He has games to win. Uh, Curtis or Marino Valley. So that was um that was a Dennis Dodd article that did not go over very well on the uh uh on the peristyle when people were talking about. It. But Curtis, for me, and and Mike Bone said that, and I you know I talked to the athletic department. They said it was a collaborative effort. There, were, Lynn Swan, Pat Hayden weren't involved in hiring coaches. These guys, Brandon Sosna and and Mike Bone, they have a process in place that that worked really well at Cincinnati, and they brought that here, and they helped they helped Clay Helton hire those coaches. So don't just say this was Clay Helton going out and doing this all on his own. I don't believe it was Mike Bone doing all the hiring, but. They really helped this process, and I think it opened up opportunities to get more out of the box, more less familiar names. If Mike Bone wasn't the offense, uh, wasn't the athletic director, I don't think Todd Orlando is going to be your defensive coordinator. It's probably going to be like a guy like Joe Barry who played at USC, just because that's the way USC is run. Now that's just my speculation. Uh, that's what I would say on the thing. I don't know if you have any thoughts, Coach.
0: Well, I think that uh, Clay Helton uh, does the hiring uh, and approves the hiring, but I think they sort of work together in finding names and going through names on what could help him as far as the overall program. I think the athletic director has to approve the hirings. At least he did as far as my coaches were concerned. I would take him names, and he says why, and so on. And he'd say, and I'd say I need a little bit more for him, but we can take it from here and this and that. And he would more or less say, if you want him and this is what he can do for the Saft, then let's go get him. And I think that they worked that way. I, I would think that he probably used a lot of his contacts, too. And I think they were very fortunate to have these people available. I mean, you know, you look at Todd Orlando. He's a linebacker coach now. He just got fired at Texas Tech. The secondary coach didn't even have a job. I mean, you know, look at that. And then also the uh, Virginia defensive line coach. This is an opportunity for him to come home. To Southern California, and, and uh, that's a great opportunity. Same with uh, Williams, who came back from Oregon, a chance to come home and be in the Pac-12 and make a lot of money and live in Southern California and get a lot of publicity. So all of it fell in place. It all fell in place as far as these guys being a part of the defensive staff, and I'm not saying they, uh, they aren't great coaches. I think they can be great coaches, but I'm waiting to see exactly what's going on. And I assume they're great coaches or they shouldn't be on this level. Yeah. But I think they also should be able to recruit too, and then we'll see what happens with that.
1: All right. Uh, Yeah, the recruiting staff in general should be a lot better than what we've seen before. So from looking at, you know, some of the guys they bring in, especially at Dante Williams, he's the best recruiter of the Pac-12. So that's uh, certainly an upgrade there. Uh, John, our buddy John Umbrea wrote in. He said, hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde, I'm asking a question I already know the answer to, but I like to hear Coach Hyde tell it like it is. How do you feel about USC practicing for one week, taking two weeks off, and then starting up spring practice again? Is there no way around this schedule? seems like more things change the more they stay the same with this program.
0: I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, A lot of schools do it. I think it comes off the master calendar at USC, uh, what's happening as far as Parents' Day and Swim with Mike and the Showcase and all of the different things. I don't like either. Uh, the spring of uh, the showcase being, and then have another week of practice. I think it should be a scrimmage ending the end of the spring practice where everybody comes out and every ba- everybody bangs each other and you have a real football game. So I don't like that being on the 11th. I think it should be on the 18th, but this is a philosophy they do. Uh, I would rather go a shorter period of time and maybe having uh, four days of practice uh, during the week uh, for a couple of weeks and being able to just go right through it because you do three days of practice, then you go on spring break and everything you taught, especially with new coaches, everything you taught, not that they forget it all, but they're not. Uh, you have to review when you come back to the players. Uh, I think you got to get into a rhythm. You want to continue with that rhythm. You don't want to lose the momentum. It's the same thing at the end of the spring practice to have your showcase a week before it's over. Heck, in people's minds, uh, players' minds, uh, spring practice is over. We only have three more days. No. You build up to that final national championship game on April the 18th where we're going to find out who we have that are football players out here. So there's a couple of those things I look at that I don't like, but, of course, that is something that they have the reasons for doing it, and I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I'm not super – I'm curious to see what it is. If it's a real spring game, and then you want to do a practice afterwards, okay, that seems fine. But I would rather see them do that. Uh, you know, have a real spring game and stuff. Uh, they do take that week off for spring break. Uh, would you rather just start it? A, you know, two weeks later and have it go all together? Uh, seems like that would make sense. But I don't know if they have some kind of reason for uh, for doing that. Um, I wanted to talk about a different. How
0: did you ask him that. Why don't you ask uh, Coach Helton Matt? But there'll be a reason. It's a master calendar that has to go on with the school or something. It, it'll be something like that. Yeah,
1: I'll I'll ask when we uh, when we get to talk to him uh, in a couple of weeks. I um, Wanted to talk briefly the NFL Combine stuff. If you're on Twitter, uh, you're going to start seeing a whole bunch of like how big a guy's hands are and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it goes on for the next like I think week and a half or so. Like they're in there, get, you know, doing measurements it's a big deal in the NFL world the NFL combine uh, USC only had two players invited to the combine uh you're talking about Michael Pittman who's a senior and then Austin Jackson who was the lone uh you know player that left early uh, the offensive tackle so two players at the NFL combine I believe Utah has nine um you know it's a good thing USC's got a lot of production coming back but Usually you put more guys than that. I think LSU had 16 players go to the NFL Combine, which is crazy. Um, but what did you get your thoughts on that, Coach, as far as is that a is that a bad sign for USC? Is that you know, a sign of things to come? What are your thoughts on USC just sending two players to the Combine?
0: Well, it's not a positive thing because young people look at how many players are going to be able to play in the NFL and how many get the opportunity of going to a Combine. And if I'm recruiting against USC, I'm certainly going to use that that the players haven't gotten better and their players didn't get invited to the combine and so on. So it's just another area you have to clean up. And why aren't your players getting to the combine? They were all four and five uh, star players and they should be getting to the combine. And uh, I think this is something that you have to examine. There's got to be a reason for that. And, uh, you know, I've got my thoughts on all of that too. But, you know, the combine is something I really have never enjoyed or liked or believe in. I mean, uh, I want to see a football player playing football in full pads. I think the senior bowl and the drills they do there and live action is where you find out more about a football player, especially against, you know, a division three player, a division two player going against a division one player. And you find out that, hey, there are some players playing at that lower level that can perform when you have non-contact drills. Well, what can you tell? Some kids carry a uniform better than the others. I mean, some kids can run uh, a 40 real fast and then put shoulder pads on him, and he's not running quite as fast. Some kids can, won't run as fast, uh, but when you put shoulder pads on him, he runs the same. And who cares if a tackle can do somersaults in the air or jump up and to t- t- how high he can jump or so And I want to know how, 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 how he man blocks. I want to know how he plays against a great player. I want to know uh, if he's a winner. I want to know if he quits at the end of the game. Uh, I'm not a combine guy. And if you start checking it out, you'll see some of the NFL teams. I think the Rams are one that are starting to back away from the combine, uh, as far as the importance of it, sending 15 guys back there for a week. I think you'd get more done doing something else. So I'm not a combine guy. Okay. Uh, if you remember a few years ago, they had uh, what the pro day at USC, and I can't remember the name, but Lindell White, I forget, did, what, 10 reps at 225, and the punter did 20. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's uh, made a difference in uh, the future of these players, but a lot of times, you know, if you can do uh, 225 50 times, does that mean you're a football player, or does that mean you're a weightlifter? I want to I be able to judge him on the football field.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense, Coach. Um, you know, USC didn't have a lot of seniors. They only one guy left early. But you would like to see a little bit, you know, could John Houston perform better and, and got an invite to the combine? I mean, he's a former high four-star, five-star player. Those are the kind of things you're like, yeah, that would have been okay if they would have been able to send some more guys there. Uh, they had some opportunities. Um, let's see. We got a question from Don. Do opposing coaches ever attend a spring game of a future opponent? Is it appropriate to do so? If so, would it be beneficial for Graham or Orlando to attend the Alabama spring game? That's from Don.
0: No, it's not professional to do that. And I, there used to be a, a rule against all of that type of stuff. Uh, maybe as an invited guest. Why, why, would, why would I invite my opponent to come and watch my spring practice? I would think that would be stupid. They can evaluate my players or spring game and and do that uh you know I, I just don't I don't think that's a smart thing to do. I wouldn't allow it if I was on a voting panel. I wouldn't allow it. you know we exchange films We so you can get every film on the uh by by league rule that you want so no, I don't want people on my campus. I don't want people talking to my fans I don't want people talking about their university on my campus or my players or anything else. So if I, I would not allow it. And if I found out about it, I'd I'd probably be upset. So I don't know what the rule is now, but professionally we never did that.
1: Yeah. You could like watch, you know, on the Pac-12 network. A lot of the times the spring games are, are uh, broadcast even like Alabama. So I, you know, I don't think Nick Saban's going to be showing a whole lot. But you can you can watch those. They usually show them on like ESPN or you know Pac-12 Network will show the Pac-12 ones. Uh, let's see. We had from Lloyd. So he read, he read on Athlon that they ranked USC's roster being number 18 in the country and number two in the Pac-12 behind Oregon. What is your opinion on that ranking? What do you think, Coach?
0: Well, I think that's about right. Uh... I would think that uh, because of the great recruiting year Oregon has had, that that elevated their class to probably being uh, the top roster, but I wouldn't agree with it 100%. If I was to, and I think you've said the same thing, if I was to predict who will win the Pac-12 South because of personnel, I would pick USC over anybody else in the Pac-12 South. At least I think they should if they do the right things. And I would predict that they would play Oregon. And I would hope to a good football game in Las Vegas, the first Pac-12 bowl game in Las Vegas. I think that would be exciting for the fans. I think it'd be exciting for the players and exciting for the league. So uh, I, would, I, would, I would tend to agree with that. I think to, uh, with the exception of this year, USC has had some highly ranked recruiting years. Now will they utilize their players to put them in a position where they can be successful and uh, and end up uh, in that type of ranking? We'll have to wait and see. But we've discussed that many times as far as what we're waiting to see in the spring.
1: Yeah, and I would say last two years, the it's this is not exact science. Obviously, it's, it depends. You know what you. It's very subjective. But the twenty four seven sports team does a good job of ranking rosters. So it, it takes the recruits out that are no longer there. If someone transfers in, transfers out. So they're kind of looking at the star rankings and what your roster is built on, though. If a lot of the players from the class you signed that was great dropped out of school, that you don't get credit for those. It's the guys are who are on the roster. The last two years, USC still had the fourth best roster in the country and by far the best in the Pac-12. The 2020 version hasn't come out yet. I'm guessing that USC will still be you know, top six or seven in the country and number one in the Pac-12. And I think the 18 and second is just a reflection of they haven't won as many games. But if you're going to judge them the same way you judged them before, I don't think Oregon is going to be able to pass USC yet. Now we'll see. It may be wrong. I'm curious to see what happens because Oregon has recruited a bunch of five-star guys uh, lately and USC is bringing in a bunch of three-star guys in this class. So that might even things out a little bit more. But my guess is that it's going to be the USAL still probably, according to the twenty four seven sports like talent composite, still have the best uh, roster. But that's where a lot of the fans have an issue, Coach. They've had the number four roster in the country the past two seasons, and they're they're thirteen and thirteen over the last twenty six games. Like that's that's where the disconnect is.
0: It is, because they're not getting any better. And they're wasting practice days and they're not practicing the way they should be. We talk about that all the time. When you have a showcase, you're wasting one full day of physical contact to become a better football team. You have 15 days in the spring. Uh, when you prepare for a bowl game, you've got, what, 15 days to get ready for a bowl game and also become a better football team for the, co- for the coming year. That's one of the advantages of going to a bowl game is the extra practices you get. That's why you want to go to a bowl game. I don't want to go to a bowl game if I'm 6 and 6 I don't deserve to go to a bowl game. I don't think that's having a great season. I'd be I might not even have it a banquet. But the extra days of practice that is why you want to go to a bowl game because if you don't go, you're behind your opponents. So there's a reason for everything and you know, uh you to take advantage of the things that are within the structure of the rules but you've said it and I've said it. You know, you can go in chimbles and you can go in pads with helmets with no pants and you can do damn near every drill that you do in full gear you just learn to stay up and stay away from the knees and uh, people are doing that and that's the way their practice is structured so you know what can i say we'll have to wait and see what happens
1: yeah uh, I mean, we've
0: been waiting now and we've been waiting for six years to see what happens
1: right we have uh two quick ones for you coach we'll let you go um David behind the orange curtain says, will USC be hiring any former coaches with strong records as analysts? What does Nick Saban know that USC hasn't figured out? Um, David, Yeah, so like Nick Saban recently hired uh, Charlie Strong as an analyst, which is crazy. Uh, He he was up and we we had him on our list of uh, potential USC defensive coordinators and and Alabama gets him as an analyst. Uh, Have you heard anything about hiring some other analyst coach?
0: I have not heard a thing, but we talked about that. You can't be afraid of having well-known people on your staff to help you. You can't. You should have those type of people on your staff. Look what Nick Saban does. He's a rehab program. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, you name all these guys that go there, and now they're all head coaches, except for Steve Sarkeesian, uh, had the opportunity, I understand, to go to Colorado and then Nick Saban you're not going said you're not going anywhere because he's tired of uh, of of training new coaches not only that Bryce Young went there and he recruited him he had to keep him so he kept him he made him I think the highest paid assistant in the country so you know these guys can go to Nick Saban and from there they can get a head coaching job again they're 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 rejuvenated uh, he's given them the course of how to learn football and uh I think that uh, if Clay Helton could get people like that, he should go after every single one of them because their knowledge of the game and their experience in the game and their forecast of players in the game. If you get one thing a week or comment a week from them, like Marvin Lewis, who was working with Herm Edwards for this entire season, I mean, look at that type of experience. Now he's a defensive coordinator at Arizona state. Why wouldn't you get people like this and get them active? So, and I would think USC would be a prime place to be able to draw those type of people too.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think so too. We'll see uh, who they end up adding. You know, Dave Campo has been a good addition. He's been around there for a while. Some more guys like that probably would be very helpful. Uh, one last thing, Jeff in the OC, not really a question. I guess it's kind of a question. Uh, spring showcase tailgate meetup. Ryan was wondering if you're considering a tailgate meetup for the spring on, you know, quote showcase. We did this a few years back, and it was fun. Let us know if you plan it again. Hey, Jeff, uh, we haven't planned one yet, uh, but we could. The problem is we were going to do something actually the last two years, but because it was held on campus, uh, we couldn't get clearance to like have a little gathering on campus. We'd have to do it you know, over near the Coliseum. So I think this time, now that it's going to be back at the Coliseum, it should be easier to do something like that. So we'll try to put something together. Uh, no plans as of yet, but that's uh, that'd be fun to do.
0: Let me ask you: Are they definitely going to have the uh, showcase in the Coliseum?
1: That nothing that I read said that, and I forgot to ask Mike Bone about it. But I believe that's what will be. That's where it will be. Uh, I'll try to clarify and find that out for sure.
0: Boy, they're crazy if they don't. You've got all these new coaches. They've got to work together. They've got to be in the press box. Become familiar with everything. That, I'd have offense against defense. I really would I'd have the defense compete with against the offense and let them beat the heck out of each other and see who's going to be to have the pride and so on and be able to really see what you need to improve on, both on the offensive side of the football and the defensive side of the football. I'd have special teams, but not live, of course, but live on the line of scrimmage and uh, all of this and be able to work the phone lines and do it all. I might uh, not even, you know, we, we'd see it'd be a lot of fun. The winning team, as I said before, get stakes. The losers get hot dogs or whatever. You got to be competitive. You got to have a purpose out there, and uh, I think you got to get better in all those areas.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with the coach. I'd love to see uh, a more, yeah, a real game out there. I think that'd be a great, uh, great addition. So, um, all right, well. That's going to wrap it up here uh, on the Peristyle podcast. Great stuff. Thanks for all the feedback. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed that show we did with uh, Mike Bone. You can go back and listen to it if you didn't get a chance to. Uh, really nice of him to come on the show. And, Coach, we we'll look forward to some – maybe we'll see if there's NFL combine news. But mostly counting down to spring football. So things will start up in a couple of weeks, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. But thanks again, Coach, for coming on.
0: All right, now, don't forget now, Ryan, make sure you get rid of the playpen, okay, and the sandbox that we're I, supposed to play in, okay? I'll
1: work on it. I'll see what I can do. Make,
0: make, sure, make sure you say it, because if I meet Mike Bone, I'm going to mention it and say, Mike, what is this all about?
1: Yeah, you should be able to meet him out of practice. I think he'll, he'll come out there.
0: No, really. I do want to meet him, and I do want to just give him my thoughts, and of course, there are just suggestions, and if he sees that uh, value, fine. If he doesn't, then... Uh, We'll see why not, okay? I'll ask him why not, too. Okay.
1: All right. That's Coach uh, Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by USCfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.